Good morning, everyone. Good to see you today. We are in message two on a series we started just last week entitled Life Hacks, Discovering the Real Shortcuts in Life. If you're unfamiliar with the term life hack, let me give you the Oxford Dictionary definition of it. It is a strategy or technique in order, adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. The internet is full with these kinds of life hack suggestions. Here's just a few examples. If you want to charge your phone faster, uh, you just put it on airplane mode. So consider your life now suddenly changed with that piece of advice. Uh, if you want to save time in thawing frozen items, then uh, whenever you freeze them, uh, this is an example of what you can do. You freeze them in thin packages, and then they'll thaw much softer. Now, some of the um, life hacks that you find online are, are pretty silly. This one, I think, is a, a pretty funny one. You can put pancake mix in a ketchup bottle, and that uh, gives you a no-mess experience. But then if you think about it, cleaning up the ketchup bottle to get ready for the pancake mix, getting the pancake mix in the ketchup bottle, I'm sure it's going to involve a funnel and some other kind of setup. So I don't know if this really is going to save you a mess or create more of a mess. So some of the life hacks are like this where you think, I, I just don't think that's going to save any time at all. Now, I think the phrase life hack in general, as it's been used more recently, is a bit of an overstatement for the kind of advice that's being given. I mean, thawing meat faster is nice, but it's definitely not on the order of life changing. But there is an invention that has made a very significant impact on our daily lives. And that's the, the availability or the ability to uh, access GPS navigation on our phone. That's, that's really a pretty significant development. When I moved here back in 1990, I bought one of these things. It's called a Thomas Guide. Some of you may remember what these look like. And you would often find me pulled over to the side of the road, flipping furiously through the pages of this book, trying to figure out where I was and how to get where I wanted to be. Now, of course, it's much easier. I just tell my phone where I want to go, and it then talks to me and tells me, turn by turn, the fastest way to get there. That really is a life changer. Well, maybe not a life changer, but it definitely has made uh, it much easier to get from point A to point B. The best part, I think, is that I don't have to stop and ask for directions anymore. I just can use my phone to get directions. But getting directions for driving, of course, is only one part of life that we need help when it comes to navigating. And the real challenges of life don't offer a, a GPS navigation option. I mean, how do you get your marriage maybe from where it is to to where you'd like it to be or it needs to be? Or how do you get your kids from where they are to where you really know that they need to be? Or more importantly, how do you get yourself from where you are to where you really need to be? So I decided maybe my phone can help me out with these kinds of questions. So I decided to ask Siri. I have an iPhone. So I asked Siri how, to, how, to, how I could change my life. And Siri responded by saying, that's an interesting question, Bevan. <laughs> now, <clears throat> If you've used Siri, you know that, that this is Apple's way of saying, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so this is just our standard response. So technology cannot help us when it comes to the real big questions in life. Thankfully, God offers himself to guide us through life and show us the straightest path from where we are to where we need to be. He offers to put us on straight paths. Now, that truly is a life hack. But it requires more than just turning on a phone to get these kinds of directions. The theme verse for this series is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and this morning I want to look in greater detail through these verses because these verses really are the core that describe how to, how to direct our lives by God's direction. Here's what it says, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him 
and he will make your paths straight. There are two decisions that are uh, involved in these uh, verses, and then one result that comes out of it. Two decisions if we're going to guide our lives by God's direction, and then one result that comes from that. So first of all, decision number one. We have to decide to trust God's view. If we're going to take his directions, we're going to have to trust that he can see more than we can see. We have to trust, as it says, in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. All of us are moving through life making decisions. I mean, you can't be alive without making decisions. And every decision we make is kind of like a turn on the road that determines where we will end up and where, of course, we will not end up. And everyone, whether they know it or not, or do it consciously or not, they are choosing a guidance system to help direct them through life. They're they're using some reference point to, to try to figure out how to make decisions as they move through life. And trust is always the key issue whenever you decide where to get your directions from. For example, when you use your phone, do you really trust Google to tell you how to get to where you need to go? Well, if you're like me, sometimes you do, and sometimes you're like, really, Google, this is where we need to go? I don't know if I trust you on this. This past Memorial Day, we were driving home from New Mexico. We were in the Palm Springs area, and all of a sudden Google said that I was supposed to take the next exit in Palm Springs. And I'm I'm on Interstate 10. I'm two hours away from home, and I have no intention to stop in Palm Springs. I've been driving a long time. I want to get home. I saw absolutely no reason to exit. But I had a decision to make, didn't I? The decision was, do I trust Google or do I trust my own eyes? Well, in this case, I decided to trust Google. And Google took us through some pretty interesting neighborhoods. I mean, at one point, we were <laughs> in a neighborhood that was, you know, 25 miles an hour. And I, I think I said out loud, really, Google? This, this is the fastest way home? Going through some pretty interesting neighborhoods in Palm Springs. And so there were times where I, I had significant doubts. But once we got back on Interstate 10, it, it turns out there was a major crash on the 10 freeway that I couldn't see from where I was. And this time, Google was right. Google knew something I didn't know. And I was glad that I had trusted Google. Now, I've had the same kind of experience when it comes to trusting God. You know, God, through his word, has, has often you know, indicated to me that I, I need to take a, an exit or, or a turn where I don't see the reason why I need to do that. I mean, I, my plan was to kind of go straight ahead and head over here. And, and all of a sudden, God's direction seems to be saying, no, no, you need to, need to go this way. And I have the same decision to make that I did that Memorial Day. I, I have to decide whether I'm going to trust in what God sees or not. Now, God has taken me honestly on some pretty interesting paths. There have been times kind of like going through that neighborhood in Palm Springs where I've, I've said, God, really? This, 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 is, this is where I'm supposed to be right now? It seems like I'm, I'm off track. It seems like maybe I misread your directions. Now, honestly, as I look back on a lot of these directions, I I can see why they make sense now, but honestly, there are a few of them that I'm still kind of scratching my head over thinking, huh, I wonder what that was about. I wonder why God directed my life in that direction. This is why it says, trust in the Lord, not with some of your heart, not even with a majority of your heart, but with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Now, why, why would someone do that? Why would someone trust God to the extent that they will They will take directions from him even when it doesn't make sense to their own eyes. Why would someone do that? Well, it all depends on how far you plan to travel in your life, what your destination goal really is. Because the further you plan to travel, the 
higher elevation you need direction from. You know, if I'm just going to go down the street to see a neighbor, I don't need to pull out my phone and fire up GPS. I miss two blocks. I can get there. I don't need help. I, I can see that far. I can see it with my own eyes. But this afternoon, I'm going to be traveling up to Walnut, the Diamond Bar area. And I'm, I'm going to need direction from a higher elevation than what I can see with my own eyes. So this is the view. This is the map that I plan to use this afternoon to get me from my home to Walnut. When my wife and I drove to Missouri this past summer, I needed direction from a higher level because that was a, you know, a, a farther distance. So I needed to look at it from this level. This December, I'm going to be flying to Japan to reconnect with a church that we've partnered with in the past. And I'm really hoping that the pilot is going to be navigating with input from this altitude. I hope he's not eyeballing Tokyo. You know, he's got some direction from some satellites that's getting him there. You see, the, the further you plan to travel, the higher the perspective needs to be. But what perspective is needed to guide a life like yours? and like mine, through the years and into eternity. I mean, today, I'm turning 57. And I'm, I'm not thinking about primarily how to get to places that I can find on a world map. That's not my primary concern as I look back on where I've come from and look forward, hopefully, to you know, some more years in the future. I'm thinking about what, what kind of decisions can I be making that really matter, that, that make my life count. I mean, like you, I want to make decisions that, that count and, and really matter and have an impact for good that's beyond me and that's beyond just right now. In other words, I would like to do something that would echo into eternity. That's the way God's designed us. We have an eternal soul, and so we need perspective that's higher than just here and now. So I decided to ask Siri how to live a life that matters. And she again thought that was another very interesting question. Apple has no idea. We need a perspective that's beyond space and beyond time to navigate with souls that are beyond space and beyond time. Now, the only one that high up, of course, is God. He sees more than we do. He knows what matters both in this life and in the one to come. And if we navigate with input from God, if we make our decisions acknowledging his input, and making decisions in line with what he says, the Bible calls that wise. That's God's term for life hack. That's wisdom. But trusting in the Lord is not just a, a decision that we make mentally. That's because what we trust in, we put our weight on, or as it says in this verse, we lean on it. We don't just make decisions. We, we make decisions and we count on them to come through for us. So we, we put weight on it, and, and if the decision turns out to be a bad decision and it breaks under us, then, then we hurt. And maybe those influenced by us are injured by the bad decision. So we don't just have a mental history of making decisions. We have a history of trusting in whatever it is we use to navigate by. We've leaned on it again and again and again. And that history won't just suddenly vanish and go away because we now decide to navigate our life by what God says. You see, trust is built over time. It's built by leaning on things over time and trusting them. So we do have to make a decision that we are going to trust God and begin to navigate that way, but, 
we have to realize that our trust is going to build. We have, we have to build a new decision-making history to strengthen that decision. And that requires us to shift away from what we used to lean on. What do we, what do we tend to lean on? If we're not going to use God to guide our life, what, what, what are the common methods that we use to reference as we make decisions? Well, one of them is what I call the nods. The nods. You know, our primary reference point in decisions is whether or not people nod in approval of it or not. And as we're at a point of decision, if we look around at the people that, that we trust and they're all nodding like, yeah, this is a good decision, then we, we have a sense that this must be the right decision. The problem is you don't know the quality of the wisdom of the people around you. I mean, if you're 15 and everyone around you is nodding, you're going to do some pretty stupid stuff. So the nods aren't necessarily accurate, but this is a common way that we tend to make decisions. The reason we look for nods of approval from others is that we were created to receive God's nod of approval. His nod is what we were designed to live for, but we can't see God. And people are created in the image of God, Scripture tells us. And what that means is they reflect some of who God is. And so whenever people nod at us, we, we feel a little bit of the, the kind of nod that we were designed to get from God, and it, it really feels good. But just as the moon is rarely a full reflection of the sun, people are rarely a full reflection of God. So people can be nodding in approval over behavior that God is shaking his head at. And conversely, people can be shaking their heads, don't do that, over what God is saying, yes, that's what you need to do. So if we navigate by the light of what people think of us, what they're nodding in approval of and what they're shaking their heads at, we're going to end up in some dead ends, in some traps. And this is what Proverbs says in Proverbs 29, verse 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man basically is I, I, I'm afraid. I, I, I don't want to make decisions that people are not going to approve. And so when you come to the intersection of decision, if people are shaking their heads no, then you don't do it. If they're shaking their heads yes, then you do it. And what this is saying is if that's how you make your decisions, then you're going you're gonna to find yourself in a swamp. You're going to be in a snare. You're going you're gonna to navigate your way right into a trap. The only way to really be safe in life is to trust in the Lord. He sees where all the traps are. He sees where the swamps are. I mean, he'll take you through some tough times, but he's not going to lead you up a dead end. He's not going to lead you into a prison cell where, where you have no options. His goal is not to trap you, but to keep you safe. So sometimes we use the nods as our primary reference point when it comes to decision-making, to navigating through life. Other times, we use the odds. The odds are basically the chances of success or failure based on our analysis of the available data. You know, this is a common way we make decisions, and this is not a bad thing to do. We evaluate all the facts we can gather. We crunch the numbers if there's numbers to be crunched. We gather all the input that we can get. If it goes on a spreadsheet, we may put it on a spreadsheet. If not, then we, we kind of have a sense of whether we think this is going to fail or succeed. If we think it's going to fail, then we won't do it. If we think it's going to succeed and has a good chance of succeeding, then that's what we call a no-brainer. We, we're just going to go ahead and do that. So the odds are good, and we go ahead and move forward. If the odds are bad, we, 
we don't. The problem with the odds is that the analysis is, is incomplete. There's a lot more data than we can gather just by looking around us. Three years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. It was melanoma, and since it was caught early, I was given a 95% chance of survival. Now, how did they ter- determine that? Well, it's just math. I mean, based on the number of people who have had my type of cancer and at the stage at which it was discovered and the surgery that I had to remove it, 95% are still alive 10 years later. Those are pretty good odds, right? So why didn't I feel completely comforted by those odds? Well, it's because I know the future doesn't obey a formula. And I couldn't help but thinking, yeah, but 5% are dead. It wasn't funny (laughs) to me. I mean, it was just, it was like, oh, I don't know about that. It was a real struggle. And see, when it comes to your own life, the odds may bring some comfort, but they don't bring certainty. And you know, it's just math. It's just, it's just numbers. And how many times in your life have things worked out very differently than the odds or very differently than what you thought in your analysis said would happen? Life is just full of surprises. Some good, some really bad. Now, analysis is not a bad thing. Go ahead and do your analysis, but what you have to realize is that it's it's not enough to navigate a life by. Because God does not submit to our analysis. God doesn't say, oh, well, the odds of success are good, so I guess I better (laughs) sign off on that and let you succeed in this endeavor. No, life doesn't, doesn't unfold just based on math. And God will oftentimes lead you to do things that a spreadsheet will never lead you to do. And his path is safest, despite the odds. Again and again, I've come to a point of decision. And through Scripture, God has made it really clear that I need to do something that looks risky. I mean, this, this property and this building is one example. You know, the odds of success on this were pretty small. But God will lead you to do things that defy the odds. Now, you need to do the analysis. You don't just need to jump off cliffs. But it's in God's direction where safety lies. Not in the nods, not in the odds. That's why it says in Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. If, If the elevation that you have the perspective that you're making your decisions from are no higher than your brain, no higher than what you can discover on Google, the elevation isn't high enough. Those who walk in God's wisdom, that's where safety is. So God's view is higher than the nods and higher than the odds. He, He knows the straight path. So first of all, we must decide when it comes to making decisions in life, whose view are we going to trust? Other people's? ours or God's. And once we make that very important decision to trust God, then we demonstrate that trust by following his directions, by doing what he's said. That leads us to the second point, follow God's directions. Or as it says in these verses, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That's what it's talking about, follow his directions. What this is saying is that God doesn't just give you a compass 
with a kind of a be nice sticker stuck over top of where the end goes for north. And all you're supposed to do now that you're following God is just kind of look in a situation and say, well, what's the nicest thing I could do? And then I'll do that. I mean, go ahead and be nice. Don't be mean. But I'm saying God just doesn't give us a general direction like just try to be nicer in life and, and that's all the input I'm going to give. No, it says in all your ways acknowledge him. He gives directions. And these directions are focused on your ways, the ways you do life. We all have patterns, ways of doing life. And that's what God's interested in. He's interested in the patterns of our life, not the color of socks and the color of the shirt you chose to wear today, this morning. I mean, go ahead and make whatever decision you want on that. But when it comes to the patterns, let's say, of how you, how you treat people, how you do marriage, how you raise kids, the patterns that really make up the kind of life that you are building, that's where his interest gets very specific. It gets to the level of every one of your ways. Not just this way and that pattern, but the whole thing. And the map that God uses over and over again to guide us, to give us specific directions about our ways, is found in the Bible, his word. Unfortunately, the Bible does not come in a talking, turn-by-turn navigation version. What that means is it's just going to sit there silently, kind of like my Thomas guide used to in the passenger seat of my car, doing me no good until I would pull over, pick it up, try to figure out where I was and how to get where I was going. It's the same thing with the Bible. If you own a copy, it's just going to sit there. It's not going to make any noise. It's not going to give any input into your life until you pull it out and open it up and try to use it to figure out where am I in life and where does God want me to go? It's, it's all our initiative. It's not going to impose itself on us at all. It's, it just sits there. So the big question then is how do you turn this book, how do you turn the Bible into directions for you, for your life? Let me give you five very quick suggestions on how to do this. First of all, I would say you need to read it generally, generally. In other words, you need to be aware eventually of what the Bible says. You need to read the whole thing. A large number of people who have decided to follow Jesus Christ still have yet to read the entire Bible. And God gave it to us as a map. And so I, my suggestion is to take, just take a little bit of time each day and eventually, sooner rather than later, work your way through the whole thing. Now, a good place to start if you're new is the book we're focusing on in this series, the book of Proverbs. It's just, it's just the greatest book. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs, one for each day of most months. I mean, this month there's only 30 days, but most months have 31. So, depending on what day it is, read the chapter for that day. Today's the 25th. Start on chapter 25 and read one chapter a day. Now, you wake up in the morning, and is it the 8th? Well, I'm reading Proverbs 8 today. Each chapter is just full of just short, short statements of wisdom that, that will be very practical. There's a lot of direction in the book of Proverbs. You might want to start there. But then secondly, I would suggest that you also read it specifically. What I mean by that is take an area of your life that you need help in, that you, you're particularly looking for direction in, and look into what the Bible says about that area of your life. Now, here's one place where your phones can be very helpful because there's an app called YouVersion that is pretty helpful when it comes to reading the Bible. It's a free 
app that you can download on your tablets or phones. And one of the features that's pretty neat in this app is that there's a section called plans. And you just click on that section, and there's all kinds of Bible reading plans. There's, you know, one-week Bible reading plans. There's two weeks. There's a month. There's several months. There's a year reading Bible plans. And, and a lot of them are listed by different topics or different focuses. And so just pick a Bible reading plan that fits with kind of what you're dealing with in life. And it'll, every day it'll tell you, here's the next part of the Bible to read in this plan, here's the next part of the Bible to read in that plan. So I would encourage you to, to also read the Bible specifically. You know, back in June, a few of us on staff rode our bikes from here, from Huntington Beach to San Diego. Now, you, you all know San Diego is south of here, but to ride there on a bike, you really need more specific directions than just south. Because there's some, some parts, particularly like through Pendleton or... There's some parts of PCH where it's best if you take the official West Coast bike route rather than PCH. And, and so what I did is I, I took a map that had the bike ride route listed on it, and I turned that into a set of cards that had a turn-by-turn -turn kind of instructions on little cards that I taped onto the, the handlebars of my bike that we would use as we would make our decisions. And so in that instance... I wasn't just interested in the entire world map. I was interested in the part of the map that went from here to San Diego. Now, I, I love maps in general. I can sit down with a world atlas and just kind of, you know, spend time flipping through. I think maps are fascinating. But when you use a map to navigate something that you're really going to use, that, that's a different application. That, that's a different level of interest. And the same kind of thing happens with the Bible. I mean, the Bible is a fascinating read. Yes, there are parts that may be a little difficult, but for the most part, it's just really fascinating to read. And you'll enjoy just reading the entire thing. But, it, but it's when you take the Bible and the, the map of the Bible and you use it to navigate a particular situation you're dealing with in life, that's when it really comes alive. So that, that's why you need to not only read it generally, but read it specifically. And then number three, acknowledge it. That's what it says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Now this is not a kind of acknowledging like I, I recognize that you're here, but I'm going to go on and do what I want to do. This is not nodding your hat, hat, you know, tipping your head to God and saying, I, I, re I recognize your ways, but I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. No, this is the kind of acknowledgement that, say, a helmsman on a ship gives in response to the orders of the captain. It's the, they repeat the orders to make sure that they've heard it correctly, and then they the helmsman adjusts the course setting of the ship to match the orders of the captain. It's that kind of acknowledgement. And this is, if you just read the Bible for information, not for course corrections, then you're not navigating by it. It's kind of like turning on the phone and, and you know, just having the turn-by-turn -turn directions be kind of background noise and not really use them. So we, we acknowledge it. We repeat what it says, and then we do it. Now, you... You may not know everything to do in a situation, but if you begin to read God's word, you'll know the next thing to do. God will show you the next thing. Just do that. You don't have to understand everything, just the next thing. What's the next step, God? What's the next thing you want me to do? And then I would encourage you to memorize it. What will happen over time, and those of you who have directed your life by God's word, you know this, is God will give you direction through verses. There will be specific places in the Bible that God has really used to give direction to your life. And you don't want to forget these verses. You don't want to be three years later thinking, you know, there was, 
there was this verse somewhere in the Old Testament that God really gave me some insight into, and I can't remember it or where it is. You, you really want to memorize these. So as God speaks to you through his word, just write down those verses and work on repeating them enough until you actually can memorize them. It's a way of, of really having a sense of God's direction in your life and using it even when you don't have a copy of the Bible in your hands. And then lastly, I would encourage you to talk about it. It's very helpful to navigate by God's word in the presence of other people who are trying to do the same. Because they may know some things or have read some things that might help, and you might hear some things in their life that are really going to give direction to you. And one of the sections that we had to go through between here and San Diego was Camp Pendleton. And you can get permission to get through Camp Pendleton, but Camp Pendleton has, there's no bike lane in Camp Pendleton. The street signs are really hard to read, some of them. And so you find yourself on these roads going through Camp Pendleton together with tanks and armored vehicles, and there's moments where you think, am I on the right road or not? And so my turn-by-turn directions through Pendleton were particularly helpful to make sure we were heading in the right direction. At one point, we passed someone who was riding their bike also through Pendleton, and just as I passed this guy, he hollered out to me, hey, do you know where you're going? <laughs> the poor guy was lost in Pendleton. And so I said, yeah, follow us. And so he followed us all the way through Pendleton and out you know, the front gate. And this is what often happens in life if you're trying to navigate by God's word. You, you will learn stuff from other people. There, there are other people that are a little bit ahead of you, and, and you'll, if you will humble yourself and say, hey, do you know where you're going? I mean, that's a humbling thing to do. You know, as a bike rider, you've got to be pretty desperate to hollow out to someone who's passing you and say, help. I'm lost. But if you'll humble yourself, we're going to look at humility next week. It's a huge advantage. If you just humble yourself and say, hey, I'm not sure what to do. Do you know of anything out of God's word that might help me? You're going to, you're going to go a long ways. This is one of the reasons we have the growth groups is to create the opportunity where, where we can learn from the Bible together with other people. We can talk about it. It's one of the ways that God gives us direction. When our kids were little, they enjoyed, like a lot of kids do, sitting in the driver's seat of the car, you know, putting their hands up on the steering wheel and making the noises of driving. You know, they, they'd seen me drive, they'd seen my wife drive, and they knew this is where, where the control was. This is where it all happened. And so they'd sit in the same, and they make the noises of driving. But of course, the noises didn't get us anywhere. The car wasn't actually moving. They didn't learn really anything about driving just by making the noises. And I say that because in, in many respects, it's easy sometimes for people to think that they're growing as Christians when, in fact, they're just making the noises. You know, they're saying the words and they're singing the songs, but making the noises doesn't actually move anything forward. You have to actually take steps of faith. So the question that I have for you this morning is, what's the next step for you that God has? You know, the, the step where you're thinking, oh, I need to go this way, but God says, no, you know, this way. Well, what is that next step? I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. But what is it for you? And if you can't think of a, of, a, of a time in recent memory where there was a step of faith you took out of obedience to what God led you to do, then I'll, I'll just promise you you're not growing. I'm not saying God doesn't love you, but you're not growing. You're, you're in the driver's seat, making the noises, but the car's not moving. Your life isn't actually progressing if you're not taking a step of faith. You know, those who struggle most with, most with doubts about God are those who have risked very little for him. They've taken very few steps of faith. 
And that means they haven't seen God come through for them. They haven't had the experience of actually leaning not on their own understanding, but on what God says, and seeing that actually work. That, that's an untested idea. And so their faith is really weak. So we need to trust God's view and then actually follow his direction. Don't worry about all of his direction. Just what's the next step? What's the next step for you? Take that. And then the next one after it. And then if we do those two, then what will happen over time? Not instantly, not this afternoon, but over decades, maybe over our entire life, we get to number three, watch God straighten our paths. This is what it says. And he will make your paths straight. A straight path is the shortest route from point A to point B. I mean, that, that's our preference. That's how we navigate. I mean, if you're going to go to a store after this you know, service, maybe on your way home, you're going to plan the most direct route. You're not going to meander your way to that destination. You're going to go from here to there directly. And we do the same thing when we're pl plotting our life decisions. You know, we, we look at where we are. We look at maybe where we want to be. And we don't try to figure out the longest possible way to get there, to waste the most possible money and most energy. No, we, we look for the shortest route between where we are and where we want to be. So when we make plans, our plans always look straight, right? Here's what I'm going to do, and here's how I'm going to do it. But when you look back over your life, is your path straight? No, it's anything but straight. Why? Because life rarely goes according to plan. You know, we, we don't plan to get distracted or get interrupted or get discouraged or lose heart or get lost, but we do. And we don't plan for tragedy to knock us off our feet, but it does. We don't have any way to plan for surprises. That's by their very na nature. We don't know they're coming, whether they're good or bad, and it just throws us off. So our paths in our mind, they always look straight going forward, but crooked as we look back. But God's paths are the opposite. They often look crooked as we go forward. But as we look back, they're straight. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, let's, let's say you're, you're, you're like me and you've got a lot to do in a given day. And so you're moving through your day and, and then you come across a, a person and an opportunity for a conversation and a need maybe to help with. And you know that God has said that we really need to take time for people, and here's an opportunity. And, and we need to take the opportunity to tell people about God when that presents itself. But that looks like a detour from a very full day that we have and the plans that we have. And so it looks like we're, we're going we're gonna to curve if we're going to do those kinds of things. We're going we're to go off track. So to follow God, often it looks like, I, I, don't, I don't know why. I, need, I, I, I just want to go here. I just want to do this. Maybe it's financially. You know, we've got our financial plans and we're, we're marching forward and then God says, here's a need I want you to give to. Well, that's a detour. I, I don't want to do that. I've got a plan. But, but if we're following God's directions, oftentimes he will take us on what look like detours to our plans. So that's why going forward, if you're going to follow God, you often got to follow him around the corner. Away from what you thought was going to be. But then as you look back, you'll see, oh, okay, I see now. Not always, but often you'll see the fact that that was, in fact, 
the safest and straightest way to get from where I was to where I needed to be. Maybe not where I wanted to be, but where I needed to be. You see, if you look back on life navigated by trusting your own understanding, it's going to be a crooked mess. You know, we thought we were charting a straight course, but turns out we were lost. If, on the other hand, you come to the intersection of your understanding and God's, and you trust his way and not yours, you're going to look back on your life, and you're going to see a straight path. Now, you won't see this in the course of a week or a month or even a year. It usually takes a decade or more to really begin to see, wow, God's paths are right. They are the straightest way. Me? I'm lost. God knows the straightest way. So I want to put this statement up here on the screen behind it because it's so important for you to grab this. God doesn't give us straight paths to travel on. He makes them straight only after we follow him around the corner. That's the way it works. It looks like a detour. turns out to be the straightest way. But, but we have to follow him around the blind corner. That's the faith part. We have to trust in him to do what he says. I've got some next steps for you to consider about what we've talked about today. These are on the bottom of your listening guide, also on the back of your connection card. But here, here's the three. I would encourage you to memorize this theme verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Just a, a great verse that you'll come back to again and again and again. So I would encourage you, if you haven't, to memorize this. And then, as I said, read one chapter of Proverbs daily. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, you might consider adopting this. If you're already on a Bible reading plan, stick with that. Don't let me get you off track. But if you're looking for something, this might be a good thing to do for a month. Start with Proverbs 25 today. And then pause and ask God for direction. Just the act of saying, God, I need to know what to do. I'm not sure what to do here. Now, follow that up with reading his word and talking maybe to some other people who are trying to navigate their life by his word. But begin by asking God for direction. What you're doing is you're saying, I need input from a higher elevation than just what I can see and what other people can see. So I would recommend that. Before I, I, I pray here and we wrap up, I want to invite uh, the men to uh, join us for the Man Up weekend, October 28th through 30th. So it's coming up in just a little more than a month. And um, it's just uh, at Lazy W Rants, which is just about an hour and a half from here. Uh, starts on a Friday night, goes through Sunday. So I'm going to be talking about the challenge of leading. Now, you may be leading hundreds, maybe in your job, or you may be leading nobody but yourself. But however the, the size of your leadership is, it is the quality of your leadership that has the most profound impact on both you and those that are connected to your life. And so we're going to be talking about the three responsibilities of leadership and the layers of protection that each area of responsibility provides. We're going to be addressing some of the challenges that threaten each layer of protection. So if you're a man, um, I would encourage you to carve out the time to be a part of this. If you'd like more information uh, on this weekend, just check the box on the back of your connection card. We also have a table uh, out on the patio out here that's got some more information. You can go online to our website and sign up uh, for this event. But I just wanted to encourage the men to consider this and join us uh, for that weekend, October 28th through 30th. So let's, let's pray together. Father, we, um, we thank you that you have not left us to just bump around through life, to kind of discover dead ends by running into them. You actually give us insight that helps us avoid traps. 
and keeps us safe. But in order to do that, we, we just have to trust you. And it's a really hard thing sometimes for us to do. We, we natively trust only in what we can see and what we can feel and maybe some of the people close to us. But it's as we trust in what you've said in your word and as we make decisions and navigate by the light of your word that we look back over a life that, that really has a lot of straightness to it. Not perfection, but we see, we see your purpose and what you guided. Father, I pray you'd help us to, to take steps of faith and trust you. I pray that for us who know what our next step is, that you would give us the courage to lean not on our own understanding and to take these steps and trust you. For those who don't know what the next step is, God, I pray that as they spend time in your word, as they ask you, as they get input from other people about your word, that you would make that next step very clear and that they would build a, a history of trusting in you and watching you come through. We thank you for your guidance. And we pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.